You're listening to Radio Sega, and this is the Sega Lounge. Sit back, have a drink, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Sega Lounge. I'm KC. I'll be your host for tonight's jam-packed episode of the show. Uh, welcome, everyone. I hope you're having a great day. We have an awesome show for you tonight. Uh, we have, of course, our first tie-in with the Megavisions magazine. We've been talking about the, the Megavisions mag for a while now. And if you're one of the lucky subscribers of the Megavisions mag, you already know that tonight we have an interview with Cody Wright, a bass player, extraordinaire, and composer for uh, Toe Jam & Earl Back in the Groove, which is the new game uh, in the Toe Jam & Earl series coming out early 2017. If you're one of the subscribers to Megavisions, or you just bought the first issue, you already heard a little sneak peek at what's going to happen tonight, but uh, tonight you get to hear the whole interview, which is really fun. Uh, to listen to it's it's been fun chatting with with cody um and there's also a sega lounge challenge so what will happen who knows who knows we'll have to stick around to find out on the sega lounge but that's not all we have lots of great music including music from uh, toe jam and earl back in the groove so that's something to look forward to and we have an, another little interview with matt phillips from big evil corporation who's working on a new Mega Drive game, yes, a new Mega Drive or Genesis game. So he's working on Tanglewood, um, and he's got a, a Kickstarter project up for pledging. If you're interested, and if you're uh, wondering about uh, Tanglewood, what it is, how it works, and why does he need a Kickstarter project? Well, we talk about that uh, during the show, so stay tuned, uh, and hopefully afterwards you'll. Uh, feel the desire of pledging and helping Matt uh, realize his dream of um, making a new Mega Drive game in the form of Tanglewood. We also have another edition of uh, We Always Use Memories of Sega this week dedicated to Eastwatt City Under Siege. So if you play that Mega Drive classic, uh, you'll probably enjoy this week's Memories of Sega. And obviously, we have. Uh, lots of stuff happening on Discord so join us there radiose.ga slash Discord radiose.ga slash Discord so don't forget to join us there and uh, chat with like-minded people finally we also have a very very special announcement something that we're really excited to share with the world but that's coming at the end of the show so if you're interested and wondering what that announcement is you'll need to stick around until the end of the Sega Lounge uh, but you know, the whole show is going to be fun so I hope you'll enjoy yourselves don't forget you can also tweet at Radio Sega if, you're, uh, if you want to just comment on what's happening on air and don't forget to share uh, your love for Radio Sega in the Sega Lounge with your friends that being said, it's time to uh, move on and talk about this week's news not much happening and so, 
Uh, I'm here without a co-host for this segment of the show, but Einig Fruit will be joining me uh, in a bit for the Cody Wright interview. In this week's news, well, we don't have much, but we have some interesting stuff. First of all, uh, for King of Fighters uh, fans, we have some interesting news. Uh, the King of Fighters 14 has been released uh, back in August, but uh, although people have been praising the game for uh, its fighting mechanics, um, the same can't be said for the game's visuals. So what SNK is doing is um, working on a new patch for the game to upgrade the graphics, the visuals to the game. Uh, uh, although there's no release date for the patch yet, uh, people attending this year's PlayStation Experience, so this weekend, will be able to play the King of Fighters 14 with the patch, so with uh, improved visuals. So if you're a fan of the King of Fighters uh, series, and if you've been playing uh, the King of Fighters 14, look forward to a new patch that improves the game's visuals coming soon to your console. Yes. Um, other news. Dreamcast news. It's always nice to have Dreamcast news. Yeah, that's, that's always uh, brilliant. And so you might remember um, the wireless Dreamcast controller that was developed by a guy called Chris Diaglu, I believe. Sorry if I butchered your name. Uh, he uh, developed the DreamCon, so an, a wireless Dreamcast controller. He is now working on the LightCon. What is the LightCon? Well, it's a, a wireless Dreamcast gun that works with HDTVs. So you probably know that if you use a regular Dreamcast gun on a, a new uh, generation TV, it won't work properly. So he's working on a wireless Dreamcast gun that works with HDTVs. That's awesome. How did he do that? Well, he <laughs> actually um, uses cannibalized, uh, the cannibalized innards of a Wii controller and of a, a Wii sensor bar. So yeah, makes use of a Wii controller camera, not the whole Wiimote, but the camera, uh, a wireless Wii sensor bar. Um, it has an embedded VMU menu for settings and calibration, and it has two internal virtual VMUs for saving, just like the DreamCon. Uh, and, and several other, uh, several other um, features that uh, Chris has uh, has been working on for this LightCon peripheral. If you're interested uh, in knowing more about this uh, and even watching a video of uh, of this new peripheral, the LightCon, uh, feel free to go to our good friends the Dreamcast Junkyard. That's the DreamcastJunkyard.co.uk, and look for news on the LightCon a new wireless Dreamcast gun that works with HD TVs. Finally, uh, one bit of news for uh, vinyl lovers. Data discs uh, that have been releasing lots of Sega soundtracks on, on vinyl uh, have announced Panzer Dragoon and The Revenge of Shinobi, which are two amazing soundtracks and they'll be adding that to their uh, catalog of vinyl of Sega vinyl soundtracks. Uh, and both will go on sale on December 3rd, so Saturday. This Saturday, they'll uh, have both Panzer Dragoon and The Revenge of Shinobi on sale for fans of vinyl soundtracks. Um, and I, uh, I am sure that these are two uh, very welcome additions to the catalog. Um, Panzer Dragoon orders will begin shipping in mid-December 
and will be getting guaranteed pre-Christmas delivery in the UK, by the way, uh, not outside of the UK, but in the UK, and the Revenge of Shinobi um, will begin shipping uh, late January 2017, apparently. So, so yeah, it's awesome uh, that these two classic uh, Sega soundtracks are getting some love by data discs. Yeah, that's all the news we had for you guys this week. However, the show's not over. This was just the intro. Uh, I hope you stick around for our interview with Cody Wright, uh, composer of the soundtrack to Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. However, I leave you with some music from the game to get you in the mood. We'll be right back on the Sega Lounge. This is Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Sega. Come on in and have a seat. Welcome back to the Sega Lounge right here on Radio Sega and we're back with a very special guest this week on the Sega Lounge. It's our pleasure to welcome Cody Wright. Hello Cody. Hey, how are you guys? We're awesome, awesome. Yeah, good. You are awesome. <laughs> no, you ah. you are you are a legend. So thank you so much for being on <laughs> no. the Sega Lounge. Um, it's oh, it's great pleasure. to have you have you here uh, to talk about lots of stuff. 
because you know uh, while researching for this interview uh, I found out lots of uh, awesome stuff to talk about uh, because you're you like a, a, a one band man or something you know uh, yeah or, or of sorts uh, <laughs> and so we'll, we'll get into that as well uh, we'll also be talking about um, Toe Jam and Earl uh, back in the groove which you've Absolutely. been working on uh, recently uh, and mm-hmm. we're really excited to talk about that um, but first first of all for people that are listening to us and uh, are curious about Cody Wright who is Cody Wright? <laughs> wow well <laughs> I am I am a musician and I was kind of just born with I was born in Florida in Orlando, Florida in 1986 and I discovered that I loved music on a really deep level when I first played. I, I remember being really into Starlight Zone on Sonic the Hedgehog, the very first one. And I was about four years old, and I remember listening to that music and just like being entranced by it. Yeah, that's yeah. a great track. And yeah, you know, I'm sure you guys are very familiar with that. So, so that, that was kind of like me realizing that I really loved music. And I feel like for someone to really be a musician for their whole life, they have to love music on a really deep level and have it connect with a part of their soul that can kind of bring them to life. And I felt like that was, those were the, the days where I realized that I had that kind of connection to music it was around the time that I first, you know, started playing like Sonic and, uh, some of the other games that were that were out then and a couple of other things that I played around that time and Toe Jam and Earl was one of them the second Toe Jam and Earl uh, Panicon Funkatron mm-hmm. yes that was the one yeah, I, I love that game as well yeah that's 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 the greatest to me that's the greatest game that ever came out on the Genesis <laughs> uh, great great good choice yeah I'd say that's the one. And so it's a great honor to, to be working on the reboot and to get to know Greg on a personal level because so much of that game is is Greg. It's his personality and his energy in the game. It's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But that's that's actually but to, a great point. Yeah. But but so so I I love being outside. I love playing uh just sports recreationally like basketball and soccer and stuff i love animals and dogs and um i kind of marched to the beat of a different drum i was homeschooled and i'm i'm just a, a creative artistic type uh that's who i am the question was who am i you know so that's that's in a nutshell uh <laughs> not, not I, an easy question not no. an easy <laughs> well it, it can be it, it's all what you make it you know Yeah. But um, I just really enjoy connecting with people on the level of music. I feel like if you can understand some of my music, I can speak uh, that way a little more clearly than I even can with my voice sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, that's my method of communication is just through my, my instruments. And I play guitar. I started on really on guitar and I play bass professionally and I play a little piano too and a little drums that's interesting so you you started off with guitar it was that your first instrument you learned to play yes it's the first instrument that i really sunk in you know 
really hard time doing mm -hmm. 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. Sometimes when I was 16 or 17 years old, wow. I was just glued to it. And, and um, bass after that, then what, what drew you to the bass over the lead guitar or rhythm guitar or whatever? <laughs> well, it's really funny. Um, in 2011, uh, when I was 24, I got a call to, to, to be in a band that was based out of, out of my hometown now, which is Asheville, North Carolina. And they, I told them that I wanted to play guitar with them, but they had a guitarist and they wanted me to play bass. Okay. And I, at first I didn't want to do it and I switched uh, and I sold all my guitar gear, my, my, you know, priceless, some of my priceless stuff to buy bass gear. And I didn't know what I was even doing. Right. And it turns out that it was really the toughest thing that I ever did was that transition. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad that, that I did it and I came out on the other side. And so right after I graduated college, I went out as a bassist for the first time in my life and and we went on tour and it was it was rough you know some of the shows there was no one there mm. and a lot of the shows there was no one there and we'd sleep on people's floors you know just pull a blanket up next to the litter box kind of thing you know <laughs> so it was rough <laughs> <laughs> and uh life on the and, road um, <laughs> yeah so i switched from guitar to bass to join the, the band which was called the jonathan scales orchestra it's a steel drum band and if you if you type that name in Orchestra, you'll probably see a bunch of videos with me in it. Oh, great! Yeah. It's very, very unique music. Uh, very challenging, fun music. So cool. you, you didn't have any any special any uh, special love for the bass. So it was something that uh, somebody asked you to play the bass, and you went for it. That's yeah, the story behind basically, it. Basically, that was the story behind it, and, and because the band already had a guitarist. But the ironic twist on that is that the guitarist quit nine months after I joined the band. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, thanks for nothing, man. You know, I just changed my whole life for you. Oh, no. And you quit. <laughs> and then But you, you so didn't have a, a guitar then because you, you had oh, sold that, everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even think I owned a guitar oh, during that time. My I don't even think I owned a guitar. I think I bought one like a little after, just you know, something cheap. And of course, now I have you know wonderful guitars and everything, yeah, uh, because I've, I've worked. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but then yeah, I didn't even have a guitar. Yeah. Wow. And, and and I just only had a bass, and I didn't even know what kind of bass to get. So I just kind of just got whatever I could afford. Mm -hmm. Um, music nerd question. Then, what kind of bass are you playing on? Um. Toe Jammer Earl. Good question. Um, on Toe Jammer Earl, back in the groove, I'm playing uh, pretty much. I'm switching back and forth between two bases, and both of them are made by Zahn Guitars out of California. Joe Zahn Guitars, Z-O-N, and that is my company of choice. And my main uh, my main bass is a model of his called the Sonus Special. And also, I used a model of his called a mosaic. Um, probably for most of the Toe Jam and Errol stuff, you'll hear the mosaic uh, for most of the, the grooves and riffs. And for the higher, like some of the higher stuff, the melody stuff or chordal stuff, you'll hear the Sonus special. 
on there. Yeah, that that specific bass is more dialed in for me towards like high end chordal stuff. It's really clear and articulate. So, right. <clears throat> so the Zon Mosaic and the Zon Sonus are the bases that I use on the game. Cool. Yeah, they're wonderful instruments. Cool stuff. So uh, you said before that you grew up with with video games. Uh, you mentioned Sonic One. You mentioned uh, Toe Jam and Earl. Um, mm -hmm. Panic on on Funkatron. Um, was was video game music important for you growing up and for you to you know develop your love for music as you did? Absolutely, uh, I would say it was crucial. Um, in a lot of ways, it was really crucial for my development. Um, because there's, I can name some games that really for Sega. Because I grew up with, I only had a Sega Genesis for a long time, and so I can name some things that, some games that really were pivotal for me. And some of them, uh, I based. I actually based a lot of the base stuff that I was doing early on around some of the music from the second Toe Jam and Earl game. You know, when I, I, some of those riffs, I would just sit there and, and play those riffs over and over again, like Ode to Sharla. Mm -hmm. um, great track. Yeah, great song. And um, <clears throat> so there was a game that came out for Genesis called Wacky World's Creativity Studio. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys know about that. It's a little bit more of an obscure title. I knew about it, but I'd never owned it. So, but yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It it allows you to basically create your own levels and create your own soundtrack to those levels. And that's Wacky World's Creativity Studio. And John Baker, you know, the composer mm -hmm. from the first two mm -hmm. Toe Jam games, worked on Wacky Worlds. Oh. And I didn't know I didn't know that until. I was lucky enough earlier this year to get the chance to work with John in the studio down in California. And I asked him, and he said, yeah, that was me. And I knew it was because I remember just how some of the voicings sounded and everything from that game. So Wacky World's Creativity Studio had a bunch of really cool music in it, uh, too. And, um, of course, Sonic 3, you know, the launch base zone. I loved that. Mm -hmm. Sonic 2, like... Uh, a bunch of the, the music from the second and third Sonic games that were that was featured on the multiplayer uh, mode, mm -hmm. like like the desert on on Sonic 3 on the multiplayer one, and the caves yeah. on Sonic 3 and the caves on Sonic 2. Like those were really, I loved that music a lot. Um, oh, and there was a wonderful game that came out for 32x that I actually got. I reserved it before it even came out, and it was Knuckles Chaotix. Oh yeah, yeah, that music was incredible. Mm. The music on that game was absolutely standout. Wonderful stuff, and totally different yeah. from the the rest of the the series, right? Yeah, it was way more kind of complex. You know, there were songs like Seascape and Midnight Greenhouse that just had all these wonderful meandering solos and things like that happening inside the song yeah 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 so so knuckles chaotix was an incredible um let's see scooby-doo mystery for genesis also the circus level also was really cool uh 
So one thing for me, being, you know, uh, really into game music was how well the composer could match the sound to the level and to what was actually happening in the storyline. Yes, mm -hmm. that's true. I think that's one of the greatest uh, kind of underrated skills of, of at least old school um, game composers is how they managed to really get the feel and the theme into their music as well as as well as making just great compositions. Oh man, yeah. Um, that is that was something that really caught my attention early on. Even as a kid, I could kind of I, I knew that that was happening really well. Mm -hmm. um, and so Scooby Doo Mystery, like this, both the levels on its own, it, Scooby Doo Mystery only has two stages. Okay. But specifically the circus one. Uh, man, when I played that as a kid, it just it just totally worked. I don't know who composed that music, but that music just totally worked for the level. And um, Toe Jam and Earl, the, the Panacom Funkatron, like the snow levels, the music that they used for the snow levels was was really fitting and perfect too. Yes. Um, I think that song was called Boom and Boom. <laughs> and, and we revisited that one on, um, on Back in the Groove too. Awesome. So, so really paying attention to, to catering the sound of the music to the level. And so for this game, we really didn't, I didn't quite get the chance to do that so much. I did that on a couple things. Um, there were, there, there are these express elevators on Back in the Groove that I composed the music for. And one is like a normal express elevator. And then he wanted something upbeat and funky and, and kind of frenetic. Okay. And I did a bunch of slap bass on that. Slap bass. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really do slap very much, but I did it for, for the express elevator. <clears throat> and then there was an evil, insane elevator that he wanted me to compose a, a song for. And so I, I, did a, I did a crazy little number for that. But so those were pretty much two of the only things on this game that uh, I, I kind of had a vision of what I was composing for when I did it. Right, right. It must but I'm be a big fan of that. Going in and just being told, okay, so just write, write, write a tune for this kind of crazy uh, evil elevator ride. <laughs> oh man, it was so fun. Yeah, I bet. I bet. It was so fun. And the whole experience of doing this game was was probably the most fun experience I've ever had in my musical career, uh, at least on a recording level, without a doubt. Right. Um, any like, specific reasons why? It's just a dream come true. I mean, you think about, you know, a kid nine years old growing up. I mean, when I was nine, I hardly even played music. I wasn't really... I. My dad tried to get me to play acoustic guitar, and I wasn't really into the acoustic. I wanted to play electric. You know, heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just wanted that distortion sound, and my parents couldn't afford to get me an electric. So I didn't want to play my dad's acoustic, so I didn't really play too much music at nine, but I did play games all the time. And then playing the games, I was internalizing the soundtracks. So, so Toe Jam and Earl Panicom Funkatron was the... The, my favorite game and I dreamt about it I remember having dreams about it when I was 9 or 10 years old having so, dreams of putting people in jars <clears throat> I've just had dreams about being inside some of the levels like the snow level yeah 
I remember having a dream around nine or ten years old that I was inside the snow level from Panacon Funkatron, but the snow was warm and it didn't you didn't freeze when you were in it. You could just play in it. Because <laughs> it's an alien cool. world, so that makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. The alien world. Obviously. You know? Obviously. <laughs> so so why one of the reasons it's so fun for me to to it was so fun for me to do this music is because you know it's kind of living a dream I, i was just literally a kid playing that game growing up and now i'm actually in it and and that's kind of surreal I, i i still can't even believe it in a way when i think about it that's awesome that's awesome so uh going back a little bit how did that happen uh, because i remember we, we had greg johnson on on the show last year was it Uh, and uh, he told us about someone uh, that did some awesome renditions of Toe Jam and Earl tracks, uh, and he was referring to you. So how wow. did the you know the did he contact you uh, so you could join the the team? Did you get in touch with with him and ask to be a part of the, the game? How did that happen? Well, I did get in touch with him first um so long story short what happened was uh, a really close friend of mine that knew that i loved the music for toe jam and earl and i loved toe jam and earl uh, sent me the link to greg's kickstarter page for back in the group and uh I went and looked at it and it had just went up and as soon as I saw that they were doing a fourth game I started thinking that I wanted that I, I knew I was gonna play music for it I just wanted to so bad I'd do anything to play the music play the bass on it because I, I felt like I was tailor-made for it because at the time I was I had already been a professional bass player touring for you know almost five years playing 180 shows or so a year and and it I had all these I have all these videos and, and I had gotten a little bit of attention on social media and YouTube and um, I figured like I figured that I had the credentials and everything enough to just reach out and so incidentally the person that sent me my friend that sent me the link to Greg's Kickstarter page was ended up being the keyboardist that that we used in back in the groove Nick Stubblefield <laughs> and so almost in a way so I reached out to Greg I sent Greg a long email that night I had a show I was in Connecticut and I had a show at a place called Pacific Standard Tavern and um, I remember sitting at the bar with my computer writing Greg a long email and I expressed my love for the game and all the characters and everything in the email and he wrote back and he actually you know he was big hearted enough and a good enough guy to really see where I was coming from and I'm sure he's had tons of requests you know for people that want to work with him and luckily enough he had enough of a heart to really listen to what I was saying and, and reach out and I still can't even believe that happened and he asked me to do some demos for him more with an old school funk kind of feel And so we, we had a back and forth process for a couple of weeks there where I was sending material to him for him to, to kind of give me some critique as to what he wanted out of it. 
and I would I would send him stuff. He would critique it, and I'd send it back. You know, after I tweaked it a little bit, and after doing that maybe a dozen times, he said, "That's it. You got it. You did it." You know, <laughs> uh, so I was really happy. So I ended up getting um, kind of getting started with that at that point, and then I flew out to started flying out to California and, and working with Greg and Burke Trishman, who's the audio engineer out there at Open Door Studios. So we, we started recording at Open Door Studios um, out in California. And um, probably about a year after that, Greg wanted to, to, wanted to work with a keyboardist. And so I brought up Nick Stubblefield, who was the guy who showed me the Kickstarter, you know, that I, that I the way that I even contacted Greg in the first place. So I kind of brought it all the way back around to Nick and, and we ended up actually, Greg ended up actually uh, hiring Nick Stubblefield to work to do the keyboard stuff. And this was after, this was after most of the music was tracked. Wow. He just came in and, and did it. Was there, was there a feel that you needed a keyboard after listening to the, the, the mix? You were like, uh, well, maybe we need, to, we need an extra instrument in there or was that always the plan? Uh, that wasn't really always the plan. I remember actually at first Greg really preferred the sound of just the bass and drums. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of said, you know, maybe we should have some keyboard in here for this and that. And I did do a, um, a bit of guitar playing too, to kind of fill the same, you know, textural uh, role. Okay. I played guitar on, on songs like Ode to Charla, Mellow Groove, Alien Breakdown. And a couple others, I think I did guitar on, on that. Uh, and Nick didn't really play keyboards on those, but on a lot of the other ones, uh, Greg ended up um, reaching out to Nick about our keyboard player about that, and he ended up doing a great job. And just I knew he would be the perfect guy. His Nick Stubblefield, he, the way he thinks and the way his brain works, he's like me. He's he's just so tapped in and tuned in and has a photographic memory with music and a great ear and um, I knew he was the perfect guy so he just banged out a bunch of those tracks really fast and, and it worked out beautifully amazing awesome yep so the way you were, you were talking about the whole process it seems like Craig Johnson oversees everything about the game even the soundtrack right yes Greg loves <laughs> His, one of Greg's favorite things is working on the music uh, for the game. That's nice. So, so yeah. he does he does oversee all that, and and he's a joy to work with and really wonderful. Awesome. So um, you uh, have sent us a, a few tracks for us to play on the show. Um, Absolutely. We, uh, so what about the whole soundtrack? So you you went with some, you, you reworked some of the original tracks, right? So you, mm -hmm. uh, you redid them. Um, do you have some original stuff as well? You mentioned the elevator and other tracks, perhaps. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically for for the game. Um, yeah. There's the elevator songs, the express elevator uh, music. Um, I also. Greg hired me to basically do <laughs> it's kind of like a theme song for my for my character. I, I appear in the game as a as a cartoon. Oh, oh that's so cool. 
yeah, it's it's really crazy. To actually appear in the game as a character. Which you can imagine some a, a, a guy who was a kid playing this game, you know, being in it. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> and so he asked me to, to basically create my own theme song for that. So I wrote a song that is really technical and, and melodic and has a bunch of really wild techniques and, and tapping and stuff on the bass. And so I did that. Um, when, basically, whenever you see my character, I think the idea is that my theme song will play. And so I wrote that. Um, and I also did... Uh, some things with Greg where I just I was in the studio and just started improvising a riff and 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 then Burke Trishman our engineer he would tell me okay now go to C or now go to C sharp now go to the four now go to the five you know things like that so there are, are a couple songs um, on the game where that was what was happening I was just improvising a riff you know, just a funk riff, and then Burke would tell me to play and change the key or, or go to a certain uh, chord. Mm-hmm. So that was something that happened um, a bit. And also, a lot of the songs, Greg would Greg would just come up with a, a riff that he wanted, that he liked, you know, he on the phone or something. He would literally just go like, uh, bum, 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 bum. He'd just do something like that. And then I would start playing that riff back to him on my bass. <laughs> and then maybe I would add some stuff of my own to that. That was how the bulk of the original tunes for this game, that's how they were composed. By Greg singing the riff like that, and then me kind of adding my own stuff over the top. That's really great. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that like one big jam session. <laughs> yeah, and 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 Greg will tell you that Greg Johnson will tell you that he's not a musician, but he is because <laughs> he can come up with stuff like that, and he has great time and great ideas, and he has a very refined focus on what is tasteful to him and what is funky to him, and and I feel like what is funky to him is really funky. Period. He really knows what he's talking about because he grew up in the 70s with, you know, bands like Brothers Johnson and Weather Report. Oh, Weather Report, man. Oh, yeah. on Weather Report. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Greg, Greg is hip to all that stuff, you know, long time for a long time. Herbie Hancock. And yeah. so, so when you have just that kind of instinct, you can't really go wrong. So Greg is really totally funky. And so that's how a lot of that stuff, you know, a lot of the new material came about. And also that, uh, if I were to venture a guess, I'd say that's how a lot of the older music was composed too. Was just from Greg just singing it into his voicemail or, or whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. singing it over the phone. Probably sang it over the phone to to John Baker or something like that, you know. And and you know. And the classic Boom. was born. The classic was born. Just that simple, that fast. <laughs> That's yeah. how it happens. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Okay, yeah. so, so Cody. Cody. Uh, yes. I think we've we've been talking for a bit now. So we, right. we usually do uh, music breaks during the show. So we're going to take a music break. We're going to play um, a track that you uh, sent us and this week's edition of Memories of Sega. Uh, but when we come back, 
Cody, we have a surprise for you. Uh oh. We like surprises. <laughs> we like to surprise our guests. Uh, it's, it's it's a good thing. It's, I think, isn't it? I need food. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good for you, Casey. <laughs> we'll see. I know that you see. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll take a quick break. Um, keep listening to the Sega Lounge. We'll be right back with Cody Wright and the surprise. Yeah, here we go. Ooh. some blast processing to your day. This is Radio Sega. From the 90s to the present, take a trip back in time with A Winner Was You as he looks back at the Sega games that defined his life. Memories of Sega. This week, we'll be looking at eSports, City Under Siege, a game released for the Mega Drive in 1990. Despite being based on the arcade game, this is actually quite a different beast, with completely different levels and gameplay. The premise is still the same though. Starting as a bog-standard cop, you mop up the streets of crime until you earn the right to done a special robot suit with much cooler weapons. In the Mega Drive game, you even get a jetpack to use as well. I actually struggled to remember where I first saw this game, but I do remember a friend telling me about it and how cool it was, mainly because you could allegedly turn into a robot. It certainly sounded cool, and the first time I saw the game in action was at another friend's house. It certainly caught my attention, but I also quickly noticed that it was also a bit on the hard side. The friend in question only got as far as stage 3, but that was at least enough to see the uh, suit in action for the first time, which was the best part for me. Sadly, I never got to play it there, but I really liked what I saw. Even more unfortunately, I ended up being late home on that day and got an ear bashing for my mum. Fast forward to Christmas in 1997, and a particularly snummy one at that. 
Boxing Day had been and gone, and I went shopping to spend some of my Christmas money. My first stop would naturally be Electronics Boutique, and I certainly did well that time. In the used Mega Drive section, I found a copy of eSpots, as well as an American version of Rolling Thunder 2. I snapped them both up and was looking forward to playing them, but it was the former of the two I wanted to play the most. eSWAT is a platformer, and a fairly normal one at first. As previously mentioned, the first two levels start you out as a normal copper, and you can't do much aside from jump and shoot, though you can perform a higher jump as well. You only have one weapon in this state, but it does the job, and can even cancel out enemy bullets. Things change after clearing the second stage, and you gain the suit, known in the game as the Ice Combat Suit. I don't know why, as it doesn't look particularly icy, but hey, that's video games for you. With the suit, you can now pick up four new weapons, a rapid fire shot, a rocket launcher, which is good for ground-based targets, a plasma cannon that can be charged from a more powerful shot, and a flamethrower super weapon that can only be used once, but is very damaging. You can switch weapons at will, but you, if you die, you lose your currently equipped weapon, unless it's a standard shot which you never lose. The last time I played it, I very carelessly got killed on stage 6 and lost my rapid fire shot, the most useful of all the weapons, and was never able to get another one for the rest of the game. Moral, when you're close to death, always switch back to the normal shots. Oh, and for some reason, the normal shot loses its ability to cancel enemy bullets once you have a suit, so you need to get better at dodging. Thankfully, the suit also becomes equipped with that aforementioned jetpack, so you have more mobility than ever. However, this is all limited by the burner meter, which decreases as you fly around. Use it too much in one go, and you'll only be able to hover instead. Also, the flamethrower weapon will also fully empty out the uh, burner gauge when you use it, so that's something else to think about. Eastwatt is ultimately one of my favourite Mega Drive games. The whole concept of it is just so appealing, especially since you have to earn your suit first. What I particularly like is the variety of the levels. One, le one level sees you without any burner energy and forces you to go without the jetpack, while the very next level sees you using it almost constantly, to the extent where you gain a temporary power-up unless you use it permanently for the rest of the stage. Each level has different gimmicks like this, and I love that. As mentioned earlier, it's quite challenging too, especially on the normal and hard settings. Easy mode can also be quite tricky as well. All in all, this is a great game, and just a thing to fulfil that fantasy of being a death-dealing cyborg dispensing justice to the scum of a city. We're not quite done with the not-quite arcade conversions on the Mega Drive, though. Next week, I'll be looking at another one, a touching tale of a ninja and his dog. Memories of Sega
Alright everyone, we're back. This is the Sega Lounge on Radio Sega and this week we're here with Cody Wright. Welcome back, Cody. Hey, thank you. Thank you. We're having a lot of fun with you uh, this week and so we, we thought, you know, you're, you have these amazing stories. You have a, a, a true passion for Tojem and Earl. And so we thought, why not um, surprise you with something, you know? <laughs> Everyone loves surprises, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He says. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a tradition as well on on the Sega Lounge. Uh, we have something we like to call the Sega Lounge Challenge. Oh, here uh, we go. Yeah. All right. I think this is a little bit too easy. After you know talking to you for. Uh, half an hour. I think this is this is a bit too easy, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But before we get into the challenge itself, Cody, we like to play the, the intro to the Sega Launch Challenge, so you you know we get you in the mood for for things. Uh, and so, without further ado, let's play the Sega Launch Challenge intro. Now you know our guests. They're amazing. They're stars. But are they ready? For the SEGA Lounge Challenge? It can be a quiz in reverse music. It can be anything we want. Welcome, welcome to your doom. I mean, welcome to the SEGA Lounge Challenge. Welcome to the SEGA Lounge Challenge. Uh, that wasn't scary at all. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm shaking. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our good friend um, James Earl Jones there, um, or not? So, so the Tech Lounge Challenge, uh, as the man said, it can be anything we want, Cody. But this week, right. this week, we're going with something we like to call "Guess the Toe Jam." Uh, guess the Toe Jam. Guess the Toe Jam. So, what is Guess the Toe Jam? Uh, we have two sets of four songs. We won't play the entire song, so like four snippets of, of four Toe Jam and Earl songs. Um, I, w- I, w- I thought of doing this in reverse, you know, playing the tracks in reverse, but that would be too mean. So we're just going to play the, the tracks, you know, like they were supposed to be played, snippets of four different tracks, and you'll have to guess which game they're from. If, right. if from Toe Jam and Earl, Toe Jam and Earl in Panic on Funktron, or Toe Jam and Earl 3 Mission to Earth. I think All this right. is, is a little bit too easy for you, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so let's let's go with set number one. Uh, you'll, you'll listen to four bits of four different songs, okay? And right. afterwards, we'll see what you think, okay? So let's go with set, set number one. Here we go. Thank you. 
That was set right. number one. Obviously, there's one really, really easy track there. Uh, <laughs> same for set number two, but that was on, on purpose. So, okay. from, from all these four tracks, which ones are from which game? You don't have I've to. You, never, you don't have to name the tracks. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go <laughs> I ahead. Said, I've never heard any of this music in my life. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, yeah. The first one, of course. The first one you played was the main theme from the first game. Hey. So yep. number one, then, then Toe Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's easy. Uh. <laughs> You have to realize you're dealing with someone who would like base their life around some of this stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, second one was uh, it sounded like Loanda's love from from Game Two. Okay, so Panic two. on Funkatron. Panic on Funkatron. Okay. Yep. The third one that played was from Game One, and I think that was Big Earl Bump from the first Two Jam game. All right. So number three. The, the original one okay number three was the original and number four and number four was from game three okay mission to earth mm -hmm. okay so uh let's see let's see let's see if you're if you're right um i need fruit yes so he said uh, number one was from toe jam and earl was he correct yeah, thank you, Tony. <laughs> Drum roll. <laughs> uh, he was correct, Casey. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> number two, he said Toadgem and Earl in Panic on Funkatron. He even said Lawanda's Love. He said the track names. Yeah, so. Yeah, so I might be wrong, though. You know, nothing's, nothing's certain. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Like, suspense time. Suspense, was suspense. Right? Yeah, or, please. Or was please. Right? Drum roll, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm actually trying to pull up a real drum roll on my. <laughs> I have. One, I have one, but I'm lazy. You get when you work with musician. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. see if I can actually get it for you on my um on my keyboard here. Oh, oh. Do that there we go. <laughs> the answer to question two was correct. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so track number three, he said Toe Jam and Earl. And he actually said it was... He named the track again. Uh, yeah, Big Earl Bump. <laughs> so, Big Earl Bump. The answer was correct. Yay! <laughs> and number well, four... This is proper teamwork right Number now. four, the hardest one. The hardest of them all. Mm. Uh, he oh. said, Toe Gem and Earl 3, Mission to Earth. Yep. And Cody was. Was. <laughs> Correct. Indeed. Uh, so this was set one, <laughs> song one, menu. Uh, we, don't, we don't have proper uh, track names here, but uh, we might have to, to, to speak to Greg about this. We need proper track titles. Yeah. So yeah, uh, four out of four, Cody. Obviously. Uh, All right. Yeah, I said okay, this was cool. too easy. I said. Woo! I don't know, man. It's pretty hard. Yeah. Let Let's see. Let's see about set number two. Maybe this will, you know, 
it'll be, it'll be, it'll be like Tarner? Rocky Balboa versus Apollo Creed right now. I'm just <laughs> maybe maybe we should like mime the songs instead. Maybe that might be a bit harder for Goody. I I, 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 I yeah yeah. I should have gone with the the in reverse option. I should have reversed the tracks. Yeah. Okay, Next well, let's time, see if you can get four out of four again. Next time, but let's okay, see. Cool, let's see what happens with set number two. Cody, are you ready? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Okay, here we go. I got so my let's... drums. I got my drums right here. <laughs> <laughs> let's go <laughs> for set number two. So there we go. That was set number two. And so oh. Cody. Any guesses? Cody. Oh man. Oh, so hard, so hard. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. He's sweating right, right now. That's yeah, you know, I'm gonna break my computer because the sweat's gonna get all on the circuit board. <laughs> <laughs> um, first one was uh, the first two were from game two. Um, first one was Ode to Charlotte, I think. And, um, second one sounded like Peebo's Party Jam from Game 2. Could uh, be. Could be, maybe, could I don't be. know. Possible. Possible. Third track sounded like it was from Game 3. And the very last one, fourth track sounded like it was Game 1, Rapmaster, Rocket Racket. I think that might have maybe possibly been what mm -hmm. one that was. Okay, uh, well, will it be the, four for four or eight for eight? Let's see. So let's the see. answer, uh, number one, drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, it was correct. Charla. Obviously. And then number two, <laughs> I'm going to suspense up here. <laughs> Number two was correct as well, Peebo's Party Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, number three. The hard one. This one was yeah. probably the hardest. Mission to Earth, was it? Was it? It was correct. Mission to Earth, boss game. Very nice, very nice. And the last one. Ah, the what? last one. Game one. Was game that one. Game one. Yes, of course it was game one. Rap 
Rocket Racket. Obviously. You need all of the tracks. That's good stuff, man. <laughs> so, uh, if there was any doubt if this was the right man for the job, uh, for to work on the, the soundtrack of the new game, you know, no doubt remains now because yeah. he is the yeah. master of two general uh, music. <laughs> well done, Cody. Well done, Cody. We had we get a, a perfect score on 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 the Sega Launch Challenge, which doesn't Whoa. happen uh, a lot. Uh, a lot, yeah. Uh, no, not not really. Uh, so next time we, you're on the show, we'll have in reverse music. So oh. you should you should get yeah. ready. Start getting ready for that. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm getting ready right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you should, you should. <laughs> awesome stuff. So, so Cody, um, it's been fun talking to you. But oh, we, man, we, so have, we have a few, a few more questions before you, before you, you go. Um, so you mentioned uh, working on the game. Uh, the soundtrack is nearly done, I believe, if not completely. It's pretty much completely done. Um, I'm doing a couple little uh, extra videos for the ending credits of the game um, that Greg has an idea of like there being this dance party happening at the end of the game or something along those lines. Great. And I'm, I'm doing a couple more little tunes. I'm actually writing some stuff uh, for that. Just really incidental, small little things. But the bulk of the soundtrack for the game is actually uh, complete. Awesome. So we're done. We've actually re released a sampler CD of that of, so, of most of that music like about eight songs or something like that and um mm -hmm. that features nick stubblefield on keyboards so it's really exciting awesome and um it, it seems like you're uh, releasing the 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 soundtrack uh, you know as a, as a full album right for people yes. wanting to buy the soundtrack so yes we are we are releasing the soundtrack as a full album um that's coming out. Greg will be able to tell you a little more about that. Um, all I really know is that we might do a vinyl pressing too. Oh, be, nice. We might also do a vinyl. That would uh, be so cool. And you know, would, it would have to be half red, half orange. <laughs> the, wow. The pressing. Yes. <laughs> that would be awesome. One for Toe Jam and one for Earl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be an Earl disc and a Toe Jam disc. Oh, that would be so cool. So instead of instead of disc one and disc two, it'd be disc Earl and then disc Toje. <laughs> I'm so there. If you're, if you're doing a vinyl pressing, I'm, uh, I'm I'll get straight to the front of the queue. But I mean, I'll I'll probably buy it on CD as well. Yeah, I really can't so wait to hear the soundtrack in its entirety. I can't wait either. It's gonna be really cool. Yeah, well, you're gonna you're gonna have to come back on on Radio Sega when the game is out, so oh, we can you. have like a, a you know a, a, a live show. With you uh, yeah. commenting on on the tracks, that yeah, would be amazing. The party. Totally, I'll give you a little play-by-play, -play, whatever you want. Yeah, that awesome. would be awesome. We, we have to uh, uh, make that happen. Um, you you mentioned you you worked with Greg. Uh, you also mentioned John Baker briefly. Uh, did you guys work together for for this third game, uh, this fourth game actually, or you just spoke to him briefly about the tracks that you were working on? We were actually working together down at Burke Trishman's studio in California, uh, Open Door Studio. Greg um, hired John to come in just for one night and work on a couple of tunes and just kind of uh, flush out some ideas. And I don't know if we're actually going to use anything that John did, um, 
but it was really, really refreshing just to sit there and talk to him and, and, and see him work on some stuff. And I think we got some video footage, uh, I think on the Kickstarter update page, there's some footage of me and John uh, in there just listening back to some things and working on some things. But like I said, I don't know if, if John actually, his tracks actually ended up being used or not mm -hmm. uh, for the game because he was still fleshing out some ideas and things at the time. And he's really involved in um, his other job, which is Zynga. So, yeah. Um, so, so, but it was really, really a trip to be sitting there with him and working with him um, that one night we, we actually worked together. Awesome stuff. Yeah, hopefully yeah. we can get John Baker on, on the show soon. We're working on that. Hello. He's a busy man. Yeah. He's a busy man. So we'll he see. Is. <laughs> um, yeah. So so that's that's your work on Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. However, you have lots of other stuff going on, right? Like, uh, Cody, um, you have a, a, a new album coming out soon, right? Want to tell us a bit about yes. that? Well, um, it's going to be called The Bass Only a Mother Could Love. I love and, the title. Uh, I love that title. Yeah. Great, great title. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll give away a secret. And well, it's not really a secret, but having a good name, just having a catchy name for your stuff as a creative person, something that either has an alliteration or rolls off of your tongue or just has some sort of memorable thing in it is really important. It's really, really important. And uh, so, yeah, the, <laughs> the album is going to be called Base Only a Mother Could Love. You know, not a face, only a mother can you know, face. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, yeah, and so it's really centered just around me and a drummer. Uh, and my drummer is Chazare Shink, wonderful, wonderful drummer out of uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. And um, a lot of the, the record will be very groovy and funky, but also uh, sort of have a lot of melodic and harmonic journeys in it. It'll, it'll take you somewhere uh, with the harmonies and the melodies. It's not just kind of a static groove. Um, and there, I got some special guests lined up, uh, a couple of wonderful musicians that have said they're interested in playing on uh, my album. And I, I'm not going to give it away yet because they haven't even tracked yet. So I don't know if it's actually going to happen. But right, right. Cool, cool. Anyone who is a bass enthusiast or a bass player would freak out if they heard some of the people that have expressed interest in performing on this mm. CD. Ooh, yeah. Bit of a teaser that that exciting teaser. Yeah. I guarantee at least one name that's gonna appear on the on the C D will uh, get a lot of people really excited. So um, so I'm very happy about that. And uh, it's a lot of original music and some covers. Uh, the covers that I have chosen I'm One is just really obscure and not a lot of people have ever heard the song, so it might as well, you know, to a lot of people it might even be a song that I wrote, but it's actually a cover. And then I'm doing, um, I'm going to do a solo bass version of Blackbird by the Beatles on my oh, CD cool. as well. Uh, I got a, a little surprise in store for that one. I'll yeah, it's going to be... I'm very, very happy with what we have so far, and we're actually releasing uh, one of the songs one of my original pieces, we're going to be releasing it before the album comes out. Uh, my song, Lone Wolf. So we'll, we'll be doing that. And, and I'm very, very proud of that song. Um, right. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm never, I'm never happy with anything that I ever do. You know, I, I'm always <laughs> my own worst critic. 
You're a perfectionist. Uh, extremely perfectionist. And um, but I'm really happy with the way this stuff is shaping up, and I'm going to be really happy with how this album sounds when it comes out, and I can't wait. And so I'm doing that, and I'm also um, touring with a blues rock guitar legend named Eric Gales. Uh, we our tour starts off uh, again on Wednesday in the United States here, and um, I still work a little bit with the band that I switched from guitar to bass for, which is John. Okay. You still tour with them a bit? I still play a little bit here and there with them, and, and there's a possibility that more stuff will be coming up with Jonathan too. Wow, um, fantastic! Things so, good anyone who wants to get into your music or listen to your music, wh- wh- where should uh, they go? Where, what kind of places should we head to find more Cody Wright music? Oh uh, yeah, well there you go. You said it. CodyWrightMusic.com. One word is my website, and if you type that into YouTube. If you uh, go to YouTube and type Cody Wright Music, that's my channel on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I've got a bunch of videos on there. I'm always updating that. And I'll pull stuff out of the archives and post it on that channel too. So there's like some old stuff comes up from time to time that I didn't even remember it even doing. <laughs> I'll find it. Someone will share it with me and then I'll end up posting up on my channel. Right. <laughs> so, so Cody Wright Music on YouTube, CodyWrightMusic.com. Um, and... I think that's my name on Twitter and Instagram too. So, so that's all. That's my info. Yep, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Uh, awesome. So, so there yeah, you go. Don't forget to check out uh, Cody's Cody's music on uh, on the web, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Absolutely. Instagram. You know, uh, on the newspapers, perhaps. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm in uh, magazines and, and stuff like I'm. I'm. Yeah, you'll see me. Listen, I don't even know what I'm in. I mean, the only only way I even find out if I was in a magazine is when someone shows me the article and says, "Look," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay. Yes, I'm in a magazine." <laughs> yeah. I was recently in uh, um, the Bassiste magazine out of France. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Recently, they mentioned me with. Um, wonderful players Bobby Vega and Carol Kay and then they mentioned my name with those two players because those two players use a pick or a plectrum mm-hmm. and I do too that's kind of part of what makes my sound signature is that I use a pick on the bass yeah um, I, I read about that yeah that's that's one of the things that mm-hmm. you know that initially people were very skeptical when I was doing that a lot of people told me to stop a lot of people yeah. said don't do it and well, now that it's Slap the bass with a pick. <laughs> that's, a bet. that's what they say. <laughs> How can but, you slap the bass with a pick? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm guessing it's more um, technical using a pick. You, you're able to do a lot more kind of, like you said, melodic lines and stuff. Right. Um, it's it's just a whole different thing. And if you give it enough time, you can open up doors that, that you never thought were possible with it. Um, melodic. A lot of the melodic stuff just comes from really comes from your left hand or your your hand that's that's fretting the instrument mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the melody and stuff comes from uh, the pick or how you ever you uh, articulate your notes with your uh, picking hand that's just more of sort of activating the notes that gets the note that sounds out the notes that sounds off the notes so pick is just a way of sounding the note but people seem to think that it's that it's 
sort of refreshing and, and indifferent. A lot of people seem to think that. So cool. Cool. I don't know if different is always good to some people. I still get, <laughs> still have people that you know kind of scratch their heads, and that's awesome. <laughs> you know, if you get people talking, it's however you can get people talking is yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you don't believe him, you know, just just go and listen to him live. So. Uh, that's that's good publicity right there as well. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. As long as people uh talk about it. It's it's good. Uh, it's good marketing. So yeah, cool. Exactly. Anything else you'd like us uh, you'd like to promote, you'd like to uh, mention for people listening to us on Radio Sega and Mega Visions Mag. Yeah. Um, it's just an honor to be on here and a, and a big thank you to you guys and a big thank you to Greg um, for hooking me up with you guys. And um, it is something that I would love to do with my life and my career to be a video game composer and a video game um, studio musician. I would absolutely love to do that with the rest of my life and, and I have a lot of passion for that. Particularly any reboots of any old school type games or, or, or new games that are modeled after old school games would lo- I would be very interested in doing music uh, for games like that um, from anyone so um, and I'm very lucky that I'm starting off by doing Two Jam and Earl back in the groove doing the music for that so awesome. would definitely mention that that I'm completely open to doing new games and, and stuff like that and, and it's just beyond a dream to be doing this Hopefully this Amazing. will be the, well, the first one, in first of many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to, to have that be the first thing that I'm doing in, in my professional career as a video game <laughs> composer. Yeah. So, uh, really, really fun and, and beyond a dream fantasy just to be a kid playing that at nine, now be 30 years old doing it. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Playing the music. Yeah. Cody, there's a question we we sometimes ask on the Sega Lounge, and I, th- I think you're the right person to ask this question to. Uh, mm-hmm. If you could add uh, blast processing to anything in the world, what would be would it be and why? Remember um, those those Genesis ads for blast processing. So if you could blast add, if, yeah, blast processing. So Sega said that the Genesis or the Mega Drive had blast processing, which was actually a made-up expression, but nonetheless, uh, (laughs) the the, the console was amazing because of blast processing. And so if you could add blast processing to anything in the world, what would it be and why? Blast processing to to anything in the world. Anything. So, So blast processing was basically like a graphic enhancing thing they used. Uh, That's what it was. Supposed, yeah, why supposedly. Not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, man. Let's see. That's a crazy it, question. It, 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 it was. Uh, it, it, han- it, it enhanced everything, not just the graphics, yeah, but everything. Okay, so what if you what if you use what if you could use blast processing when you're at a live music concert of your favorite band? You know, my favorite band is a band called Wolfpack. U-L-F. And so what if I went to one of their shows and I used Blast Processing at one of the Wolfpack shows? That'd be really cool. 
the value would probably explode. Yeah, yes, because blast exactly. processing is so uh, powerful. Now, I don't know if I want the venue to explode, <laughs> but it'd be a trip. <laughs> it would be an awesome explosion. That's the only consolation. Though. Yeah. It's <laughs> fun. Fantastic. It's I think that's oh, a, that's a good answer. Yeah. I, this is a re- really random question, but. Cody, do you remember in uh, Toe Jam and L, uh, Pan- Panic on Funktron? Mm-hmm. At the end of some levels, you got to jam over like it over a beatbox kind of a boombox. Yeah, that? yeah, I do. Where you could do the rhythm matching, where it was Pebo or Sharla or somebody. Yeah, would be like clap, boom. Yeah, clap, boom, clap, shaka, <laughs> shaka. That was that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. What, was the first one? what was the third one? Uh, it was boom clap shaka shaka thank you yeah those I've, I've been looking at the word Peebo and I've been like because oh, Peebo was such a cool character yeah he was he I really was. Love that guy. he's <laughs> got his own theme song it's Peebo's party jam I think it was one of the songs you played in my challenge yep that's right yeah well remember <laughs> yep do you get another another uh, point there I think for the sake of Okay, nine points. He, he already <laughs> has all the points. He doesn't need any more points. <laughs> you got nine out of eight. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm pointless at this point. <laughs> because I gave away all my points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, that yeah, uh, the, the Shaka was amazing. <laughs> Shaka, thank but I, you. But I do, yes, I do remember that rhythm matching part of the game, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's that was a really random question. I was just uh, <laughs> just came back to me. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. So, Cody, thank you again so much for for coming on the Sega Lounge, for coming on with your Sega, and for recording this interview for uh, the Megavisions Mag. Um, we hope to talk to you soon when oh, when the game's out. We need to yes, have that listening that. party. Yeah, let's do a live listening party. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, and uh, uh, all the best for for your uh, debut album as well. Let us know when it's out so we can, uh, you know, tell people about it. And, uh, I will. I for will. everyone I'll listening, you know. go check out CodyWrightMusic.com and Cody's there it music. Is. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Cody, thank you again so much. Uh, oh, and thank you guys we'll be so we'll much. be right back on the second but we'll leave you with another. Uh, music suggestion by Cody uh, will actually be playing Alien Breakdown from the new game from Back in the Groove. Um, oh. And b- by the way, Cody, since you're uh, here yet uh, still, um, this features a guitar solo by you, right? By yourself. Yeah, this is this is this is an alternative version of the, uh, the the Alien Breakdown song. I actually have a bass solo in this one. Oh, it's a bass solo. Yep. Okay. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Bass guitar. It's, it's, the way I play bass is so much like a guitar anyway. I mean, we'll be playing Alien Breakdown right now, and we'll be right back with your radio Sega. Thank you again, Cody. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.
different guest, Sega music, news, and whatever else we can think of. The Sega Lounge, only on Radio Sega. Welcome back to the Sega Lounge right here on Radio Sega. And this week we have a, a special treat for you guys because we have uh, another interview on the Sega Lounge, uh, although it's a shorter one. But we were here with Matt from Big Evil Corporation. Hello, Matt. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome, welcome to the show, welcome to the Sega Lounge and to Radio Sega. So, Matt, you're here to talk about uh, something that uh, we've been very excited about, which is Tanglewood. But before we get into that, would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself, your history with video games and a big evil corporation as well? Yeah, sure thing. Um, well, my name's Matt. I'm a video games programmer from Sheffield in England. I uh, work in Nottingham. Um, I graduated from University of Salford um, with a first degree in computer and video games. Um, uh, and then I worked at Traveller's Tales for around five years doing game systems programming. Uh, special effects, audio system, things like that. Uh, worked on 13 Lego games and one movie there. Oh. Um, and then moved to Crytek in Nottingham. Uh, worked on Homefront the Revolution. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was recently bought out by Dambuster Studios. So I'm still there at the moment um, doing uh, Mega Drive programming part time with my uh, fledgling, not yet a company, Big Evil Corporation. <laughs> Awesome, awesome stuff. So this is you trying to, you know, uh, make it on your own in the video game industry, right? Yeah, awesome. eventually. But yeah, but you're you're quite experienced already, so that's that's a plus. Um, when when did you um, when did your love for video games start? Uh, when I was very young, um, probably as far back as uh, Commodore sixty four days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something my dad bought me for Christmas. Uh, fell in love with Buggy Boy, first <laughs> of all, um, as well as the uh, the basic programming tutorials in the back of the manual that it came with. Um, so I was a, a gamer from a young age. I was also a programmer from a young age, and uh, the two mixed very early on. That's great. That's great. Uh, I'm assuming you're a big uh, 16-bit fan and Mega Drive fan. Yes, I guess Tanglewood is coming out for the Mega Drive. Yeah, it was my first uh, console. Um, must have been about eight, nine years old, I think, when I got my Mega Drive. So yeah, my my first proper gaming love. Mm-hmm. Uh, any favorites? Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, certainly. Um, <laughs> Flashback in Another World. Oh. Um, the Terminator. Mm-hmm. And uh, Toe Jam and Earl. Nice, nice. Which is interesting, seeing as we we're having a Toe Jam and Earl. Uh, centric episode this week on the second launch. Yeah. So, um, Matt, you're now uh, trying to get funding for Tanglewood. What is Tanglewood? What kind of game is it? How did the idea for this, uh, you know, pop into your head? Uh, Tanglewood's a puzzle platformer um, along the lines of the original Lion King for the Genesis uh, mixed with a bit of Abe's Odyssey and Limbo 
Um, quite a mix. Just imagine Simba's <laughs> having a real bad day. Um, yeah, it, it came about from my love of platforming all the way back from the Sonic days. Um, I love things like Abe's Odyssey, Flashback, Limbo, those kind of games. I'm a real big fan of those. Um, more recently is Ori in the Blind Forest and Insider, mm-hmm. the kind of things I play. Um, and I want to apply that back to uh, the 16-bit era, see if I can uh, mix all those elements together and make something on my favorite console. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that, that's actually a, a great description. <laughs> I think, yeah, we, we need we need to use this more often when, when talking about Tanglewood. Uh, the Lion King meets uh, Apes Odyssey and Limbo, yeah? <laughs> that, that's yeah, a great, that's a great description. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, uh, from what I, what I understand and looking at your Kickstarter page, uh, you've got a, a great big chunk of the game already uh, done, right? Already completed. Yep. Uh, so, what's the Kickstarter project for? What, what's what, Why are you applying for people's money um, to help you with, with the game? What, what's What's left? It's uh, a mix between artists and composers and uh, manufacturing costs for the cartridge because obviously it's been released on a real cartridge. Uh, some quite high overheads there. Um, yeah, uh, people are expensive, artists are expensive, um, and I need two or three of them to help me with the rest of the environments for the game. Um, there's a second character in the game, so that needs proofing out and all the animations doing. Um, and a load of new monsters. We've got five or six plans with different enemies in the games. In the game, so um, yeah, there's quite it, there's quite a lot done, but there's quite a lot left to do. And uh, I'm at the stage where I can't do this on my own in my spare time anymore. I need to um, get an office, get some real people, and uh, finish this thing off once and for all. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, makes sense. The protagonist of Tanglewood is Nim, is it? Yes, it's yes, Nim. It's Nim. And so, who is Nim? Uh, Nim's a small alien fox-like creature, um, and he's one of the day dwellers in Tanglewood. Um, there's two factions: the day dwellers and the night dwellers. Um, at night time, all the uh, the angry beasts come out and they they hunt all the day dwellers down if they're uh, out of their homes at night. So Nim has found himself stuck out of his home, and it gets dark, and then he uh, becomes victim of a hunt. Um, so he has to try and uh, evade his enemies uh, with tricks and traps and uh, try and survive till the morning. Yeah. Uh, f- uh, looking at the trailer and the, the animations you posted on the Kickstarter page, uh, and as you said, uh, obviously it's not just a platformer, it's a puzzle platformer, so it, it will require some, some uh, smart uh, puzzle solving from from yes, gamers it, right um, yes it will there's a uh, a small physics engine in there so you can pick up and move objects around and stuff so there'll be lots of puzzles based on that mm-hmm. sort of fetching carrying and uh, color matching things like that awesome and it, it looks great tell that because it's looking at not only the trailer uh, but the, the several screenshots and, and you know little videos you posted on the Kickstarter page it looks really great the, the, the colors are really awesome and the animations uh, awesome stuff uh, so this what we see on the Kickstarter page was all done by you right 
Uh, all the uh, programming was done by me. The program, the engine, uh, the game, and the tools were all done by me. I had a, a contractor doing the uh, pixel art. Oh, nice! And so, um, yeah, it's still it's it's really looking really great. Um, so, by the way, for people listening to us right now, uh, your goal is forty eight thousand pounds. Yep. And uh, you're now sitting at. 22,151 pounds at the time of this recording so with 20 days to go so uh, this is airing a couple of days later <laughs> so we have like 17 or 16 days left uh, for people to back Tanglewood uh, 315 people already backed this so this is this is great uh, and hopefully hopefully people can can get behind this idea we'll uh, post um, a link to the Kickstarter page Uh, in the podcast description for those listening to the podcast version and also for those listening to the, the live show on Radio Sega uh, we'll try to post a link to the Kickstarter page on, on Twitter and our Discord channel so if you're interested in this uh, hopefully you'll get behind it and support Tanglewood Matt, anything else you'd like to say to people um, who are curious about Tanglewood and you know Uh, people that want to know more about uh, the game well there's uh, more on our website at tanglewoodgame.com um, there's loads more on the kickstarter page as well um, or you can get in touch we're at tanglewood game on twitter awesome so people should really do that um, it's it's great it's it's great that you're releasing this as a physical cartridge on the mega drive as well so so it's interesting by the way one one question that i forgot about um, so which platforms will be will tangle would be playable on um, primarily the mega drive Uh, and there's a version for the Genesis in the States as well. Um, that was the whole point of the project, is get it on a, a real Mega Drive cartridge. Mm -hmm. But there'll be an emulated version on PC, Mac, and Linux. Um, we'll also be releasing the ROM file for those who want to play with a, an EverDrive cart or uh, on their favorite emulators. Awesome. So there's something for everyone, right? And and there are uh, several different tiers you can you can uh, pledge for. So you know, just check it out on Kickstarter.com. Uh, the project is Tanglewood, and we'll post links to it on on our social media. Matt Phillips, thank you so much for coming on the Sega Lounge. All the best. Thank you very much. All the best for the Kickstarter project. And as I said before, we started recording this interview. Hopefully, uh, we'll have you back soon to talk about Tanglewood uh, a bit more in depth. And by that time, we'll be talking about a fully uh, funded game, <laughs> and that's close to being released on the Mega Drive, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, all the best. Thank you again, Matt, for for your time, and all the best for the Kickstarter project.
Welcome back to the Sega Lounge. What a show! Uh, we had so much fun and so much stuff to talk about during the show. I hope you enjoyed both interviews with Cody Wright and with Matt Phillips regarding Tanglewood. And and that's it. That's it for the show, except for one final thing. So remember what I told you in the beginning of this show that we, we had a, a special announcement to make? Well, it's time for that special announcement. It's December 1st, and so we're now in position to finally announce the return of Radio Sega's Winterfest. Yes, so we're really, really pleased to announce the return of the Winterfest for its third edition. Yeah, it started back in 2014, and it's been a while. So we're having another edition of Radio Sega's Winterfest, Radio Sega's Winterfest 2016. When is it happening? Well, uh, during the weekend of Friday, December 16th to Sunday, December 18th. So mark your calendars, uh, 16th to 18th of December 2016. And as you know, Radio Sega's Winterfest is our own way of getting the Sega community together for an entire weekend of radio broadcasting. Um, and we also try to promote the works of the many dedicated Sega and Atlas fans from around the world, all the while providing great quality entertainment for our listeners. This year's event will include several of our in-house shows, uh, including some new stuff that's coming to Radio Sega soon. Stay tuned uh, this weekend for news on that. Uh, and also, we'll have special programs put together by uh, community guests. We're not in position to announce everyone who's taking part so far. We'll still, we're still working on the schedule and on confirming uh, our uh, full list of guests. But we can now uh, announce that we have the return of the Sonic show. We have the Segnerds returning as well. We have newcomers Dreamcast Junkyard uh, joining the fray and YakuzaFan.com. They're also joining in for this year's Winterfest and also Sega Driven. Well, many others are joining. Uh, we'll be sure to announce the full list of guests and the full schedule um, prior to the event. So stay tuned to Radio Sega and keep your eyes on RadioSega.net, our Twitter and Facebook accounts, and even our Instagram account as well. Uh, if you have Instagram followers there, and maybe we'll let you know stuff that's going to happen during the Winterfest. Also, as you know, if you're a regular listener of Radio Sega and um, if you've been uh, around uh, for the past couple of years, you know that during the weekend of the Winterfest, we actually do some giveaways on live shows. And obviously that'll happen again this week, this year. Uh, We'll have some prizes to give away courtesy of Sega and other uh, entities that were really nice to provide us with some some items including insert coin insert coin clothing as well so if you're curious about what we're giving away during the Winterfest there's only just one way to find out and that's to listen to the whole thing it'll start on Friday December 16th 2016 and we're really really excited about this year's edition of the Winterfest Um, for news on that don't forget RadioSeg.net will be posting stuff uh, regularly until uh, the 16th, so stay tuned on uh, stay tuned for that. 
And that's it. This is uh, when we say goodbye. Uh, this is obviously the after hours segment of the Sega Lounge. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. We'll be back next week um, and we'll be joined by um, the Puyo Nexus guys. Puyo Nexus is uh, an online community dedicated to the Puyo Puyo series. Uh, and so uh, we'll be having a chat with the Puyo Nexus guys just in time of the release of the new Puyo Puyo Chronicles game in Japan. So next week, next Thursday, we'll have the Puyo Nexus guys on the Sega Lounge. We'll have a nice chat for you guys. And um, next week we'll also be announcing our own uh, edition, our, our own episode of the Sega Lounge on Winterfest. What will happen? Hmm, some interesting stuff. It's going to be an interesting episode. Something we never did before uh, with uh, someone who's never been on the show before. Uh, and I hope you guys will be as excited as I am for that uh, Winterfest special we're working on right now. That's it. Don't forget to check out our other Radio Sega Live shows. Radio SE.GA slash shows is where you can go for our full lineup of shows. A couple of notes. Next one is going to be the season finale of Sega Mixer Drive. And that will tie in with Radio Sega's fan choice uh, Song of the Year awards. As you know, this year we have three different categories. So we have Song of the Year, the, the usual one. We have Request of the Year and Remix of the Year. The Remix of the Year category will come out of your votes for the Sega Mixer Drive polls, the Year in Review polls. So tomorrow, Rexy will be announcing uh, all uh, the candidates of, for Remix of the Year and we'll be playing them on the show. And so get excited for that. It's the season finale as well. You should all check it out tomorrow at 9 p.m. GMT. Saturday, we'll see the return of Gavi to the airwaves with a one-off episode of Saturday Night Sega dedicated to uh, the most requested tracks on RadioSega.net during the past month of November. Why? Because that's also a different category of this year's Fan Choice Awards. We'll have Requests of the Year and we're missing the request of November to add to the poll and after Gavi uh, ends his episode of Saturday Night Sega this Saturday we'll be putting up a survey for you to vote in all three categories your favorite song from all three categories Remix of the Year, Request of the Year and of course Song of the Year we'll be sharing news on that during the weekend so stay tuned to Radio Sega for news stay tuned to Twitter, Facebook all of that and this Sunday don't forget to keep your eyes on our social media and website because we have more news coming your way uh, regarding the future of Radio Sega live shows I've been Casey uh, it's been a pleasure and a blast to, to host tonight's episode of the Sega Lounge I hope you join me again next week and I hope you keep enjoying Radio Sega don't forget to play the best Sega music 24-7 and we also have some awesome shows so stick around for that as well. I leave you with another a back in the groove track that uh, Cody Wright so generously shared with Radio Sega, and we'll leave you with uh, his own take on Lawanda's love from the game. And I hope you enjoyed this groovy track. Bye bye.
Enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.